Hello and welcome to the Art Monthly Talk Show on Resonance FM. I'm Mark William Lewis. Joining me today are two writers, both of whom have contributed to the February issue of Art Monthly magazine. Shortly, Hannah Narali is going to be talking about an exhibition in Athens that analyses the cultural output of Greece. In the period between the Olympic Games in 2004 and the announcement that Greece would be taking loans from the IMF and the European Central Bank in 2010, precipitating and continuing a period of harsh austerity. This exhibition gives voice to the civil unrest in Greece and instructs us on how Greek artists are freeing themselves from the binds of their cultural heritage and searching instead for the shape of their future. Hannah, thank you for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, more on that discussion shortly, but first I'm pleased to welcome Adam Heinz-Green, who has written a profile of the artist Sung Tu. Tu is a German-Vietnamese artist now based in London, all too familiar with the tensions created by geographical borders and cultural divisions that she addresses in her work. As Adam says, Tu was distanced from the cataclysms of both their unifications, that's of Vietnam in 1975 and Germany in 1989, but has been finely tuned to the end of the Cold War's hot fallout. Uh, Adam, if you could Hi. tell us a bit about this artist and what it was that uh, compelled you to write about her practice. Okay. Um, well, I mean, there are a few things that uh, I find particularly compelling about her practice, but uh, the ones that I focus on in the profile specifically are this sense of latent threat, um, which I think she manages to manifest in her in her work in all in all of her installations, really, actually. Um, and I'm particularly interested in that and um, how uh, how that's generated, what kind of anxiety uh, is is affected by uh, the sounds, the objects, the um, the sort of items of kind of in infrastructural furniture that are included in the in in the installations and the works and um where that comes from and you mentioned partly you know the about uh the aftermath of the cold war mm -hmm. and um the significance of that i think in 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 her practice um so yes the the profile is is really a way of um expanding a little bit on that throughout a string of her of her works and her recent exhibitions um yeah, but we could talk yeah. a bit more about the, those. Well, maybe you could just um, describe a few of those installations and just what kind of signifiers she's using in the work to uh, connect this, the mood of perpetual threat in the work with um, various kind of vaguely defined enemies, like the, thinking the Cold War and the war on drugs, which you mentioned, the, the, the war on terror, maybe the piece um, from 2018, the song for unattended items specifically touches on that. You could just um, maybe just describe one of those. One of yeah. Those so, um, so song for unattended items is a uh, actually a graduation show from the Royal Academy Schools, and it um, includes multiple uh, bags that she sourced from friends, colleagues, and uh, they are scattered around the floor, um, and with embedded within them are these. Uh, are speakers um, and you, you can't actually see the speakers themselves but but what you do get a sense of is is that this is um, somehow uh, 
in an environment that uh, has recently been evacuated, perhaps. Mm. Um, I think, you know, within a single unattended bag, you have a sense of there is a there. I think we've become accustomed to assume that there is a, a threat latent within that. I mm. think, you know, we're 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 quite um, well, we're, we're encouraged to be finely attuned to the threat that an unattended item might possess alone. I think when multiplied and placed all across a room, uh, it starts to generate not only a sense of, of, of that threat, but also the fact that a threat has, you know, the, the cause of the, uh, or the, the catastrophic outcome has, has almost been, been triggered and caused a mass evacuation of some sort. So these, these bags are placed um, across the floor sound is 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 emanating from from them and um the the sound itself and i mean we can discuss a little bit more about yeah, the content how, of, the, how, of this sound is something that runs through her work and your profile yeah piece um how does she kind of manipulate sound to create the sense of threat or this sense of evacuation or yeah um so i mean i think one of the one of the things is that uh, that is significant is that and this actually, she has a show at Nottingham Contemporary at the moment, and I think this is also prominent in her exhibition there. That uh, when I walk, when you, you know, when, as, as a viewer, when you walk in at first, it's not entirely clear to me anyway that um, where this, where, that there is this sound uh, kind of governing your experience to a certain degree. Um, the apparatus is is usually concealed or it's always been concealed in 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 her recent exhibitions um within objects hidden within within objects either the bags or in um nottingham contemporary the speakers are actually concealed within items of clothing and um and so you walk through the the exhibition and it only to me anyway only slows fairly slowly dawns on on me that that actually my experience is being it has a sort of soundtrack that's being um that's being applied to it, so um, uh, so 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 the, the sound sort of starts to slowly creep up on you in, in a certain way. It's not um, you know it's not something I think you, that I walk into the room and, and detect uh, uh, you know as the as the primary focus of my attention at first, and I think that's interesting. And it comes it comes across over the course of a few minutes, and part of the reason is because you don't actually see the apparatus that it's being generated from. It doesn't announce itself as being. Uh, uh, a site where sound is is clearly being uh, sort of expressed. There are no, you, know, you don't see the speakers. You don't see wires. These things are all in um, concealed speakers, and so it sort of slightly s starts to absorb into the environment, and then absorb into you a little bit, and you start to realise that this this uh, this thing that you perhaps weren't initially attending to is is um, all encompassing and in fact and quite sort of infesting your experience of the work. Um, and there are multiple other items in the exhibitions, and so as you walk through them and start to discover some of the information that's that's being offered to you, you start to realise that your experience is somehow being affectively manipulated or controlled. Um, the exhibition in Nottingham Contemporary, uh, you know, has uh, focuses on the the uh, so-called Havana syndrome. Um, the, the possibility that uh, U.S. NBC staff in in uh, Havana, Cuba, were subjected to some kind of sonic weapon, um, which uh, generated a sort of post-concussion-like state in in its um, in its victims, and that this was uh, who exactly this was who 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 was using this weapon against them wasn't entirely clear. Um, 
but uh, individuals did describe certain experiences which they all they all felt that they that they'd had and um, information about that uh, purported attack is presented on on uh, screens um, on the walls of this uh, of the space and so you're absorbing this information um, uh, trying to understand some of the nature of the evidence that exists perhaps and um, these the information is actually presented in uh, the form of sort of newspaper or news 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 items really um, and as you're absorbing that information you're also feeling that you're kind of actually being influenced and manipulated to a certain degree by the by the the sound which is um, working its way through through the room um, and that that sound moves around the room as well mm. uh, alongside you know, mul- it's a multi-channel installation and um, at times it feels close at times it feels far um, it can follow you or you can follow it and uh, you can also move away from it or which mm. is uh, or, cl- or, or so in these in, in these kind of installation experiences. By the way, Hannah, I know you've seen the the, the new Sung Two mm-hmm. show in Nottingham Contemporary, which opened on Friday, which I actually haven't seen. Adam, you have so anything if you want to chip in on mm-hmm. on that show, <laughs> please feel free. But um, so it sounds as though in that environment, the sound is kind of um, a bit more insidious, or kind of background element that begins to inflect your experience of the material on show. Whereas in the um, the video piece um, called um, the video set in Vietnam called um, where are No Gods No Masters. Yes, No Gods No Masters. It sounds like this, the sound becomes a lot more of a, um, a foregrounded element, perhaps. Um, could you perhaps just tell us about that work because it's a really um, it's a really yeah. fascinating work. First exhibited at uh, Narsan Collective in Hanoi. Um, from 2017 uh, and it appropriates the the ghost number 10 recordings from an operation called Operation Wandering Soul in the Vietnam War yeah, tell so us a bit about that sonic material and how it's used in the work yeah so um, so the video itself um, shows uh, a sort of uh, the framework to my mind follows a sort of river based journey um through through the Vietnamese jungle um and uh, mo- a lot much of the, the visual um footage is inverted and black and white and, and color negative um and also encompasses certain elements of uh, some domestic scenes from from Tu's home in uh, Hai Dong and um the, much of the sound element is, is, as you said, this ghost tape number 10, which is a recording created by uh, US, this U.S. PSYOPs group, um, which is a psychological operations um, program. And uh, they created this tape, essentially, which they then um, were able to broadcast out into the, into the Vietnamese jungles for, during the Vietnam War. And it, um, it's a recording that uh, the Americans have made, which um, apparently seems to come from uh, a wandering, a wandering sort of soul, or a, a, the, the, the ghost of a man who um, is perpetually destined to wander, wander the earth, uh, um, because he wasn't provided a, a, an appropriate burial, and. Um, and so this 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 tape was actually uh, had had been used in the Vietnam War and was was broadcast over certain regions where the, where this this film uh, No Gods No Masters was was um, 
was filmed and um and so she reincorporates elements of it within the within the the sound of the um of, of the video itself um and you know and and the those the, the sonic elements that the americans were were sort of using were as i say in the in the article intended to sort of um find resonance in 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 enemy subjects really um targeting what the Americans perceived as their psychological vulnerabilities or frailties um, by adopting uh, certain elements of what they perceived to be uh, things that that would be thought of as threatening. Mm. Um, so the Americans are kind of playing on this spiritual belief in the wandering soul and kind of yeah trying to create a sense of disturbance in the subject or trying to create a sense of... Yeah, I think that, you know. I think they're trying to. It's a form of you know. It's a form of attack, and um, and what they I think you know what they were trying to do is to to destabilize these the these targeted uh, soldiers and um, to essentially attempt to make them reconsider what they what they were doing. There's a sort of urging in the in the tape uh, that says "Go home," you know, um, encouraging these people to to abandon their posts essentially mm-hmm. um but i think you know what's interesting about partly about is it is it tells you a significant about amount about what the americans perceive to be uh effective or useful strategies in their own minds um as to you know what the, their understanding of the of the of their enemy of the the the, the um enemies enemies so i think that um the effect, efficacy of the weapon itself, don't know. Mm. <laughs> um, whether it was effective and and achieved its objectives, I don't. I don't know. Mm. Um, and the visual element of that video, it's. I mean, it's it, it's almost redolent of a kind of um, more contemporary representations of warfare, the black and white quality, like the inverted mm. heat. It's, it almost looks like that um, famous footage. Uh, the WikiLeaks footage of the um, from the point of view of that helicopter mm. airstrike, it, you know, kind of airstrike footage. Mm. So it's really, um, and it's footage of her, of her family, of her family life in Vietnam. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and exactly what the sort of um, processes that are going through in 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 the home, I don't think are entirely you know clear. And um, but I think what is clear is that there's a certain inter- intimacy and a certain domesticity in the, in their interactions. But then it does, as you say, uh, also the 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 visual elements of it and the the way that the um, the visual aspects do have this militaristic quality. Yeah. I think which um, do speak to a certain form certain forms of a kind of militarized, violent. Um, uh, form of observation or gaze or looking Mm. or yeah and i think in in with that kind of aesthetic i think there is a you know there's an element of being targeted in some military kind of capacity Mm. um i mean you mentioned the the sort of leak you know wikileaks kind of Mm. um footage which i think which i think also speaks speaks to that um and you know, and I think within the sort of history of of cinema and cinematic re- cinematic representations of the Vietnam War as well, I think it it also serves to to invert those to a certain degree to challenge those. Um, yeah, you mentioned in your piece that it um, 
touches on the cinematic familiarities of the the US version of the Vietnam War. For yeah. example, Apocalypse Now. How how does it kind of subvert those tropes? Well, I think you know. I think I was I was speaking um, about the use of the aesthetic, the yeah. uh, you know the inverted colours and the black and white footage, and and the fact that it does follow this sort of familiar uh, from that film in particular, the familiar sort of journey. Um, uh, river journey along, along from you know into into the depths of the country, um, and so she she does echo some of those elements in in the progression of the uh, of the narrative, but uh, you know it, regularly in in I suppose Hollywood depictions of the Vietnam War the uh, the the you know that enemy is seen as entirely is sort of dispersed in everywhere impossible to actually ever identify in you know individuals um within within the environment the, the enemy appears is nameless disappears again um and i think in her video uh, she's one of the reasons for this kind of intimate and domestic environment that she that she portrays is to is to challenge that one-way perspective from mm. the American soldier onto the um, Vietnamese people that is more commonly depicted in, in American cinema, at least. Mm. Okay, yeah, and um, I just wanted to move on. To, later in your piece, you, you start talking about this um, park bench motif yeah. that, um, that Tu uses uh, in quite a few of her exhibitions across um, various venues across Parisades, uh, the Yard and Flat Town House in London, as well as uh, the show Loveless at Piper Keys in London. This park bench motif keeps appearing and reappearing in different kind of formats or different yeah. guises. Um, you write really, really well about the kind of significance of that. Maybe you could just kind of expand on on that a bit. Yeah. So it's a essentially it's a steel table and uh, chair configuration uh, that is. Um, Made by a company providing uh, infrastructural sort of furniture for um, uh, for the justice sector, I suppose, so for prisons, for um, these kind of environments, and it's a uh, hexagonal uh, table which has these four sort of stool elements fused to it, um, and this is altogether bolted to the floor. Um, and so, like you say, she uses this. Uh, this particular um, item in three different projects uh, and in each of those environments that she uses which one of the first you mentioned is Piper Keys mm. um, uh, for the show Loveless um, also uh, in uh, Camberwell outside in uh, outside Lacanel House estate um, as part of at Parisiad. Yes, as part, part of Parisians. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Tell us more about that, Anna. Um, well, it's a Parisians as a project space that uh, my curatorial partner, Linton Talbot, started. Mm. Um, and it uh, offers the platform uh, of a kind of uh, broken down platform of exhibition making. So artists can work with uh, one site, which is a room in our house, which is the office. Um, they make something for online and uh, then. They partner, uh, Praise Ads partners with an institution um, to realise a, a, a live element. So you, effectively you can never see um, the exhibition as a whole. And so Sung was invited to um, make a show with Praise Ads in April last year. Mm. Um, yeah. 
what did the what did the show consist of? Uh, um, so in uh, our home, um, there was uh, a letter to the editor of the New York Times uh, in 1995, which was uh, written by a fictional version of Sung's seven-year-old self. Um, and that was also um, uh, uh, attached to one of these table elements mm. that um, Adam's talking about uh, in Secure Gardens. Um, and then uh, for the sort of the third element in, in Flat Time House, um, Sung uh, went through a lot of the archival uh, material um, mm. relating to John Latham, because yeah. Flat Time House yeah. is John Latham's home. Um, and she's kind of made a sort of intuitive archival display um, of uh, works by John Latham looking at Germany um, and also lots of other archival material um, to do with sort of legal and financial mm. kind of correspondence. Um, but that was, um, I think there were the three shows that, that Adam, you were mentioning and Prezi yeah, exactly, was, was, yeah. was part was of, one of, of one of them, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, just to come back to the, the bench itself, it's... Um, mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, the significance kind of, of the bench, yeah. to my mind, is that it's used in these three different environments. The third is at um, Exile uh, Space in Berlin mm. in a project called Parkstuck. And um, it's, the, it's the same bench uh, or the same table and four-chair configuration, but its apparent utility is morphs in these three, in these three environments. So... Um, so in uh, in the in the project at um, Piper Keys, uh, she actually includes the newspaper article, which she writes under a pseudonym, and this is a recurring theme within much of her work, where she has these newspaper articles that sort of divert or reinforce certain elements of the of the exhibition. And in this particular one at um, at Piper Keys, uh, she discusses the there's an article about this kind of aesthetic of this paired back um, clean uh, uh, steel furniture that is being used in a what she describes as a cafe in Jakarta um, and so you have this the juxtaposition there of these kind of apparently uh, sort of prison elements and this ex expansion into these other areas of of um, industry such as in this case uh, sort of like commercial um, uh, commercial infrastructure in um, uh, Paziaris as Hannah, Hannah was saying this is a uh, the table is th then outside um, these estates in this garden mm -hmm. that's uh, surrounded by these estates and um, there it's the slightly incongruous combination of this uh, this table with uh, these housing um these these housing units surrounding it, um, and in the third in in uh, in, in exile in Berlin, um, uh, these are again uh, slightly diverted by the newspaper articles, which uh, s start to discuss um, the essentially a fight that breaks out in in Berlin and is used as justification to. Um, a fight that breaks out in a playground, actually, in Berlin, that's uh, used to justify a certain expansion of, of um, police control with, within within uh, within the city. Um, so I think what she's doing in in the in the three of these things and using the same item is essentially demonstrating how mobile these these forms of infrastructure are. How these, this pattern of design is entirely malleable, is um, can be used across multiple sectors. Uh, 
across the world, essentially, and um, and the significant features that this one specific table and st- sort of chair unit has, which are that it's um, you know that it's, uh, it's what what you might describe as being uh, safe, um, essentially a, almost a risk-free form of infrastructure and and furniture, while also maintaining some of the aesthetic appeal that seems to be popular within multiple industries, mm. um, such as the prison uh, uh, environment, such as entertainment um, environment, such as housing, all of these things in which um, certain patterns of design have become popular and prevalent. Mm. Um, so it's a kind of bonding agent almost because uh, you describe very well the adjoined penal housing and leisure spheres uh, and this, this table is a one size fits all militarised minimalist design for everyday life so it's kind of treating the subject as this kind of potentially um, risky entity at all times it's like it turns the housing sphere into the the penal sphere and vice versa and it kind of merges together these different um environments yeah exactly exactly yeah. i think you know i think the common features that are appealing about about this item about you know this 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 simple table and chair configuration which you know really should be about some element of sociability or yeah. a kind of um communal perhaps dining experience something like this and which is really about the interaction of individuals is kind of pared down to a functionality which serves uh essentially its its hosts i suppose mm. its institutional sort of hosts in certain um risk averse procedures probably that 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 serve it rather than the people who are using it um and um and a kind of risk averse practice i think which which is possibly adopted in a lot of these in a lot of those institutions but you know adjoined to that i think is also this the nature of the aesthetic of it which also appeals to yeah. a certain um sensibility, and sensibility a yeah. sort of minimalist sensibility that has become um perhaps a design feature and mm. that's why it pops up in the description of the cafe in jakarta that she includes it includes as a newspaper article in uh in piper keys so how so. what's the what is the role of the, the cafe in jakarta i'm slightly un- is so it's essentially she's describing the opening of a new cafe in Jakarta, a sort of hip. Uh, so the cafe. proposal is that the gallery has become this cafe. Is that no? That's not 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 so much. The article is essentially describing the this this cafe and its aesthetic and the use mm. of this kind of um, sort of minimalist, clean uh, aesthetic that you can see in the table uh, that's in the space itself, but that is being adopted um, throughout the world around in these kind of other mm. environments. Um, um, just tell us about that newspaper series because it's really interesting. Um, yeah, so she has she uses these repeatedly and uh, they crop up in in a lot of her installations. Um, and they're often under, like I said, you, uh, written under pseudonym, so um, they're written by by herself. But um, but they, I think you know they they come in these formats where the newspaper is has the design of the newspaper um the block text the sort of images that are dispersed around its pages but only one article or you know few articles are actually isolated within within those um within the newspapers themselves the rest of it is sort of blank so you have this kind of abstracted sense of a newspaper with some of the formatting some of the colored lines and the divisions that you would associate with the newspaper but only this one article is is isolated that you can actually see and read and usually they're sort of in the space somewhere i mean in in, um 
in her exhibition song for unintended items actually one of the newspapers is sticking out of a of a bag in um like I said, in, in the show at Piper Keys, one is just sort of placed on the top of a of one, one of these tables. Um, and they, you know, I think they let her uh, sort of divert a sense, uh, perhaps the, the implications of the work into other arenas and allow her to kind of sort of semi-fictionally expand on what, what the significance of these installations could be outside of the the immediate world that you find yourself in as a viewer in in the installation itself. They're all very personal. And yeah. I think that they're sort of, you know, either she's writing something as her seven-year-old self or reflecting on something other. And I think in the Nottingham Contemporary show, there was less of the personal, I think, mm. I think in that show. I mean, apart from Sung, actually... Mm. She, she herself was in the show by way of, of brain scans, but... Um, yeah, so she does. Yeah, I th yeah, I think that's that's first. She does have the instead of rather than newspapers, though, in the Nottingham Contemporary Show, she does have these um, screens, which serve as uh, also as forms of, mm -hmm. of distributing uh, information more in a sort of digital format um, on these billboards that look, you know, the digital billboards. They sort of look like. Um, they, they, you know, they look like almost advertising, lit advertising hoardings at the same time as being kind of uh, digital news uh, postings um, or feeds. You know, I think she, she, they're headlined as Eagle News. So there's still the sense that, that these, are, these are forms of, of news dissemination, information or dissemination of some sort. Mm. But, um, but you're also, yeah, you're right, exactly. They, they often do have these very personal elements. And, and those are things that kind of are an undercurrent in a lot of the work mm -hmm. and and the and the personal aspects of what's almost in it for her i think are you know they're there but perhaps somewhat shielded or somehow concealed to a certain degree um yeah yeah i mean is there it sounds a bit um trite perhaps to suggest but is there a kind of sense of playing off different forms of um well, there's a conversation in, in your piece surrounding different forms of evidence and how they're played out, uh, quote, played out against the vagaries of affect and perception. I mean, is that something that the news articles and those billboards you're talking about specifically deal with um, without wanting to s sort of skirt around the conversation about fake news, I suppose? Like, is, that, is that an element of it at all? Yeah, I think that's unavoidable. Yeah, in, uh, yeah. in, you know, when, 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 you're, when you're looking at the... Um when you're in the work i mean i think something that's important to recognize is that she's i don't think that the the work um you know as we said in Nottingham contemporary she's looking at um this so-called havana syndrome i don't think she's really trying to get to the uh the bottom of exactly what may have happened to these individuals who are apparently subjected to these so these apparent sonic weapons rather i think she's attempting to understand and appreciate some of the emotional or affective components of how we begin to believe or, or appreciate certain types of information as significant evidence, mm. perhaps, and um, the arguments that can be made both ways and how they're made. And I think, you know, there's this, the sonic elements of that exhibition are, are very important for that. I think... When you walk into that space, there's a sense of anxiety um, that she generates with the noise. Um, and like, as I said before, you know, you don't. I don't think I 
really appreciated exactly how that sound was being used to influence my understanding of the material on offer. But I think it's an important part of how you, you go about um, understanding the information and appreciating mm. um, the evidence that's being pre presented to you in these sort of pseudo news formats. Um, yeah. So just to clarify, this, the Havana syndrome is the, this sonic weapon um, that was supposedly used on U.S. embassy employees after Barack Obama's trip to Cuba, and which then the work that Sung Chu's made is, um, well, perhaps you could describe it, she's subjected herself to this recording and then taken scans, um, taken brain scans at the same time and then translated that into a subsequent sound work. So it's this kind of copy of a copy. And, um, I mean, both of you have been to this show, which opened just on Friday, so... Um, yeah, just tell us about that that work specifically, or the the brain scan. Yeah, um. either of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, so the, so the the brain scans. Um, so so essentially, this uh, the purport the apparent sort of sonic weapon that was used against um, against these uh, individuals in in uh, in Havana was. Uh, replicated um in the US and recording and and this recording exists and this this that she's listening to while having these a series of brain scans completed and um and like you say the, those those brain scans then manifest in multiple ways within the exhibition so one of them is that the scans themselves are um sort of uh, they're, you can they're sorry. printed onto mirrors mm. yeah. and Sung was saying that they are uh, mirrors used in prisons Right, which is why right. they have the aesthetic that they do of the kind yeah. of thick metal borders. Yeah, thick framed, yeah. rounded edges. Yeah. Um, you know, screwed into the into the wall at multiple multiple points, mm. um, and and actually the colouring of them actually also mm. has this uh, sort of uh, military camouflage uh, range of colours. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, and these sort of demonstrate areas of her brain that um, apparently being activated while listening to this sonic weapon. Mm. Um, and furthermore, actually, the, the 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 scans themselves, or the activity of her brain during these scans, is then retranslated into the um, some of the sound elements within the installation. So you're actually then hearing again her brain's yeah. response to the apparent weapon that was created by the Americans to understand the apparent weapon that was mm. initially enacted against the embassy staff. Mm. <laughs> but I think yeah. one of the things in the installation that struck me that I think you mention in other works by Sung Adam in your uh, profile is that you do get this sense as you turn a corner that someone has has just left. You have sort of chairs screwed into the walls with hats on them and bags left on the floor and a, a sort of overalls hung um, mm. on the wall. And it, it sort of is eerie and kind of uncanny and... Um, yeah, you sort of really yeah have this sense that someone has just left and you've mm. just stumbled into this. I mean, I don't even know what what how you could sort of what met, like uh, metaphor you could use sort of of that sort of space. It's um, mm. so these sort of sheets of metal that go up sort of near to the ceiling that mm. divide the space. And as you turn corners, you encounter screens that have these um, news reels on them, um, as Adam was mm. saying. Yeah. Uh, um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a generally a sense that people have been there or were there recently, very recently, and have just departed um, through some potential catastrophe. Oh yeah, that's true. Mind. Yeah, it does feel um, like that. Yeah. 
So the say like you say in Nottingham, there are these sort of military type clothes uh, that are dispersed around the space, um, and exactly what the nature of this sudden crisis I think is is difficult to is difficult to establish. But the fact that it was enough to prompt complete evacuation, I think, is um, is enough. And and there are, is the sense of these bodies that human bodies that have been there, but that are never explicitly. Uh, represented um, in I mean, it sounds like that's that um, that mood is almost vital for for the artist to create the conditions in which to then perceive everything else so it's kind of that initial vacuum like experience of walking into that space then kind of opens up the viewer to this like this sense of being manipulated by the sound just underneath and it's it, it sounds like it's a really important um, condition for her mm. in almost every show that, mm -hmm. that um, yeah I mean I think describe. it's about creating that sense of anxiety threat and almost persistent continuous emergency which um, yeah I mean I get for some reason I keep being reminded of um, I was watching these these um, Russian this Russian quarantine from the coronavirus and these people who have um, been like Instagram storying their time in these bizarre quarantined environments mm. And there's a similar, there's a strangely similar sense of like a neutral space in which the architecture looks so familiar. And again, I don't know that sense of um, being withdrawn from a space, being, uh, yeah, I don't, that's what I keep being reminded of for some strange reason. Mm. But it's that possibility that it could be almost anything, any cause of this evacuation. It sounds like it's really important. Mm. Um, I think one of the things that um, Nottingham Contemporary did really well is um, not include too much explanatory text. And I mm. think sometimes. Mm. Um, shows have too much of it and I think that also helped in this sense of kind of eeriness or strangeness that there was just one text that was printed on a poster but there was no other explanatory text in the in the whole installation and I thought that was really good yeah I mean good I think it's work. important yeah. yeah really important because she because in entering the room you actually enter this actually you start to enter a world where where all these components are uh, are very important mm -hmm. and it, I think it's it's important that you don't get a distraction from mm -hmm. from exactly what's going on when you enter that room and then when you leave when what you lose from when you leave the room and exactly what that world is is one infused with threat and anxiety but also the institutional framework of it is not entirely clear mm. there's usually a combination of different forms of 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 infrastructure almost i mean nottingham there are these fences as you as you mentioned which mm. which uh, have like tiny sort of slight perforations but are quite violent in their in their texture and sort of have the surface of almost like a sort of cheese grater i think mm. and mm. and kind of rise up very high and as if they were sort of partly for for defensive purposes but also have a feeling of perhaps being you know something like an embassy or 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 some form of of um spatial containment in in, in that regard what did you think about the crosses the concrete crosses so yeah. <laughs> so again yeah so another element these fences are actually um set up between these uh i mean they have so they they are one vertical line and one horizontal line. The horizontal yeah, line yeah, is at the very top of the vertical base, line, yeah. and yes, I, yeah, and they do have features that would be consistent with mm. a with a sort of um, slightly uh, skewed cross. Um, but the the structure themselves, uh, they're actually from taken from a car park in in Berlin. Mm, um, okay. So they're adopted from from 
from a car park. So, um, and then alongside those, you have these uh, again made by the same company who produced these um, the pr the prison furniture for for Piper Keys. You have these stools that come out of the walls, um, and as you said, you have these mirrors that sort of from from. Um, from prisons as well and so you have all these kind of different institutional environments or different mm -hmm. uh, and uh, you know uh, elements of space that actually i think in Not nottingham really cohere really effectively and 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 form this kind of world the nature of which you're not entirely fine balance mm -hmm. yeah and they're all very finely selected and mm -hmm. attuned to to generating that a slight ambiguity but mm -hmm. persistence of the state of threat great yeah. and uh, just finally the um the show in Munich, yeah, the show in Munich at Hausdorff, which you've uh, which you visited, yeah. Um, just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so um, this actually Zugzwang. Zugzwang, cool. yes. So uh, this actually opened the week before in Nottingham, but is uh, mm -hmm. a, a, another project. Um, I, I suppose more broadly, this looks at. Um, the nature of uh, bureaucracy and um, immigration procedures, and uh, as Hannah, you were mentioning that there are these elements of the personal within mm -hmm. within her practice regularly. I think actually this exhibition is probably the most includes the most personal elements of um, of her project so far. Um, so you you actually you enter there's a there's a sort of office um there's it's a single room but there's an office environment sort of simulated at one end which, where you have a, a large central desk that she's actually designed um and uh, certain elements that would suggest a sort of office environment on the walls a clock and uh, so, um the, these sort of things and then as you walk for deeper into the room there are these large shelving units which have a number of items that are sort of presented on the shelves many of which are very personal to to Sung and her and her and, and her, her family and then um at the very back of the room you have uh, these sort of mirrored surfaces which again have these prison stools um uh, coming out of them, and on the walls on on either side, you have these documents which um, are s asylum applications that Sung has uh, created herself, but um, but uh, echo a lot of the familiar questions and the form of genuine asylum documents taken mm -hmm. from. Um, and so uh, on top of those, there's also, I should say, hey, uh, drawings of these uh, chess boards um, with chess pieces. And uh, these, over the, uh, as you see these multiple documents across the walls of, of the space, the, the chess pieces begin to move. And mm. um, you see this sort of uh, this kind of game that's being played out in in in, in time as, the, as you walk around the room. Um, and so, so you know, there's a lot going on in this in the, in the show, but I think it's tying, you know, tying certain of these personal elements uh, uh, together with um, with these sort of the more institutional, uh, the broader institutional frameworks, which which um, which she's she's discussing in terms of immigration and and the sort of controls that's that surround it. You know, this sort of actually you could think of, I think, as a sort of procedures again of containing risk to a certain degree. Mm. Um, the sort of bureaucracy that's required uh, for people to prove themselves um, uh, as useful, um, safe members of of the country into which they're they're um, they're entering, and mm. and 
Um, and I, I mean, it makes sense that this is a very personal exhibition for for her. Of course, yeah. Having um, sought asylum in in Germany mm. uh, when she was a child and having to go through this procedure, and her, her mother having to go through this procedure herself. So. Terrific. Thanks so much, Adam. Um, we're going to leave that discussion there, but I would uh, I would encourage our listeners to seek out Adam's piece in the current issue of Art Monthly. Uh, Sung Tu's In Cold Print will be on show at Nottingham Contemporary until the 3rd of May, and Zug Zwang will be on show at House de Kuntz in Munich until the 21st of June. Um, Hannah, you've reviewed an exhibition called AO to BC, an audiovisual diary, which took place in Athens from the 7th of, Decep- uh, 7th of December last year to the 1st of February across the State of Concepts permanent gallery space and former library at Athens School of Art. If we take the AO to mean after Olympics and the BC to mean before crisis, then what's the significance of this period exactly? The opening ceremony of the Olympic Games played on Greece's reputation as the cradle of democracy and ancient culture. Uh, the period of austerity and civil unrest since then has led artist, artists to attempt to define a future for Greek culture in very difficult circumstances. Uh, and how this looks against what you call the exportable picture of Greece's ancient heritage. Um, so could you just tell us a bit about your experience of this exhibition uh, and how it relates to this period in time? Yeah, sure. So um, as you say, the show looks at the period between 2004 to 2010, um, and it uh, is delivered over two sites, one being the permanent space of State of Concepts, which was founded in 2013, and the other... Uh, uh, the former it's an old library in the um art school in athens that was renovated for documenta which took place in athens in 2017 and um i spent a lot of time in both sites of this exhibition i think a good few hours in both because there was over 70 contributors and i think um they installed around 60 works um and uh yeah, I mean, there was work by artists, musicians, um, design groups, uh, publishers. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, it is, it is really, it was so much of the work sort of had a salon style hang. Some of it was quite difficult to navigate. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, my, my initial kind of impression of it was that it was quite intense and, and uh, full on. So, with the, um, just the quantity of, of artists and work and the fact that it's using this historical time frame as its kind of curatorial framework mm. it's kind of feels like uh, it's kind of archiving this period of of cultural output and um yeah i'm just interested in that um what did it tell you about that period i suppose um well it, I, it sort of uh, what comes across is um people artists or people um, were not happy with, with their circumstances and the political kind of climate at the time. Um, a lot of the work depicted people rioting or um, showed footage of riots. Um, other work kind of made comments on um, capitalism um, and things like this. Uh, mm. um, I think also... Um, what you can kind of garner from that time is um, how people worked together and um, many of the musicians that feature in the exhibitions would then make um, 
the scores for a lot of the filmmakers that were included um and i think yeah kind of community came out of it uh, mm. quite a lot um yeah that's that's that seems really important and um also, it feels like a really important drive just from reading a piece and looking at some of the images of the show um, is this attempt to break from the the ancient cultural heritage of Greece. Um, how, how significant is this kind of radical break, like this radical type aesthetic? And there's a lot of um, works that seem to kind of uh, dethrone symbols of classical Greece, kind of graffitied models of yeah. the Parthenon and things like that. How how uh, significant is that attitude? In the show? I think it's something that's stated in the press release, um, mm. kind of really from the beginning. I think it's stated um, more than once in the in the um, exhibition kind of pamphlet uh, that accompanied the show. It's kind of got very um, good essays by Ileana, uh, who's a curator uh, at State of Concepts, um, and she mentions this quite a lot. But for me. Um, it doesn't come through that sort of strongly in the, in the, in the exhibition. Um, I think there were a few works that I picked up on. Uh, one uh, by I'm just going to look at my notes. Sorry, um, uh, by a design group called uh, Sorry. I'll find the name of the design group, but they yeah. basically, they take, um, they're making sort of Herculean dumbbells um, mm. that are, it's kind of a parody of, of um, uh, columns that kind of appear on buildings. And, and they, as a design group, make a lot of work like this that kind of make parodies and jokes out of more exportable objects that kind of reference Greece's um, uh, history and, uh, yeah, and things, and things like this. Um, I think for me that was the... The, the Herculean dumbbells was the work was the work that um, spoke most to, to that that idea. I think of of, of Greekness and what it mm. means to kind of be Greek. And um, and what's the alternative to that? What's what is the new? What is the kind of just I suppose going off this show? What does the kind of new aesthetic of Greece look like? Um, is there a kind of is there any kind of unifying? Uh, I don't know, techniques or aesthetics or types of images that are being produced or is there any kind of... Um, I think, there, I mean, there's a lot of film in the show, a lot yeah. of photography. Um, and, I mean, it's interesting in the press release, it sort of, it, it says that it's looking um, to an alternate kind of future for Greece, either utopian or dystopian. And um, I didn't kind of leave with that feeling um, of kind of being presented with an alternative future. I think... Um, for me, it really did. The exhibition did serve to uh, kind of um, uh, make my understanding of Greece during that time clearer. I think, mm. um, yeah. Yeah, you said something mm. interesting um, just before we we went on air about you saw this exhibition twice, either side of the the British election in December. I just wanted, yeah, if you could, if you could um, sort of elaborate on that, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, um, so yeah, I saw this, I saw both spaces, um, both parts of the exhibition twice, either side of the, the 12th of um, December election in the UK. And I think um, the second time I went back after the election, I began to think a lot more about this idea of community and looking at a particular community, Greece, it's, it's not one that I was part of, but kind of how I can begin to think about my own community and how... 
um, people come together to uh, work through collective trauma. I think one of the things that really came through in the show uh, very acutely for me was sort of a, a rage against depression and, and kind of austerity. And um, I guess we could say that the UK might be about to enter into a, a, a time of austerity or sort of self-inflicted austerity. And I guess, um, you know, looking at the show, it's like, what can we learn from that? Especially if looking at a, a period of history that happened so recently. This is, t you know, 10 years ago and, and this, the, the things the show's talking about are sort of still ongoing. So, um, yeah, I think that, that for me was really important in, in, my, in my viewing of it and what can I sort of take from it, not, not being part of, of Greece or fully un being immersed in its politics and mm. kind of what was going on there. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also you, you touch on it in the piece, but the, um, the documenter period in 2017 around Athens, um, you touch on that saying it was a highly contentious period, but... Um, yeah, if if there's any chance you'd elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, sure. That also comes from the press release. So the curators mm. state that. Um, um, and I think that there was um, a lot of tourism around Documenta in 2017 and many people moved to Athens and Greece during that time. Um, people also certainly, loads of tourists went to Athens to visit Documenta. And I think um, this probably is what they might mean as being a, a, a point of contention. It's sort of, you know, when you when you import art on a on a grand scale, like what does that do for for locals and and like, like a local art scene? And um, I think yeah, that was kind of my understanding of of what they were getting at with that. Um, and whereas yeah. this exhibition, of course, is all Greek artists. Yeah. yeah, which was that, which is you know sort of. Um, not to use the word local in a patronising way, but because it's a whole country, it's not a neighbourhood. But I think that that was um, also sort of really interesting. But it, it um, because yeah, you're looking at a particular time period, Greek artists making work, um, and that, I think that serves to highlight this idea of community actually again, and um, and the local um, more than which is I guess the opposite of documenta, right? Where you have many international artists, international curators, huge amount of money. Um, and, yeah, this kind of is, is maybe a counter to that. Yeah, I think that's a really mm. interesting point. Um, it seems particularly um, important in, in Greece at the moment that we, they do have these shows that focus on on the output from that country. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, cool, I think... Um, I think that's about all we've got time for. Um, thanks so much, Hannah. Thank you. And thanks, Adam. Thanks very um, much. This is the Art Monthly Talk Show. Uh, you can purchase the current issue and subscribe to the magazine at artmonthly.co.uk. And uh, this broadcast will also be available as a podcast via artmonthly.co.uk and on your podcast app. Thank you very much.